Welcome back to Tanakhcast. This is episode 135. We'll conclude the book of Hosea with a brief summary of Hosea chapters 12 through 14 and some thoughts about the power of words. Hosea is winding things up. This is his final prophetic speech, and it's a doozy. Now remember that we're back in a time when the Jews are divided into two kingdoms, the north, Israel, dominated by the tribe of Ephraim, and the south, which mainly consists of the tribe of Judah. And one of the persistent nagging issues facing these kingdoms, besides the temptation of idolatry, is how to get on when you're living between Hammer and Anvil, between Assyria in the north and Egypt in the south. Now, if you ask a prophet, he'll tell you, choose God every time. But instead, as Hosea lets us know in the beginning of chapter 12, Ephraim has other ideas. Quote, Ephraim tends the wind and pursues the gale. He is forever adding illusion to calamity. Now they make a covenant with Assyria. Now oil is carried to Egypt. But God, unlike Assyria and Egypt, Baal or Ishtar, has been fair and consistent through his prophets. He made promises and he kept them. He, through Moshe, his agent, led the Jews from Egypt and took care of them in the desert and brought them, we all know the details, and yet Ephraim forgets all of this. Chapter 13 begins with an evocative image of Ephraim's amnesia. Quote, they have made the molten images idols by their skill from their silver, holy the work of craftsmen, yet for these they appoint men to sacrifice. They are wont to kiss calves. But the forgetting comes out of contentment. When they were struggling, they looked to God for guidance and assistance. But now that they're successful in their own land, sated, quote, they grew haughty, and so they forgot me. Well, Hosea is here with a reminder of how bad things will get. But as in the previous episode, it won't be God wreaking revenge. In fact, Hosea lets Ephraim know in chapter 14 precisely what is necessary to say and do in order to be restored in God's eyes. Quote, take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all guilt and accept what is good. Instead of bulls, we will pay the offering of our lips. It's that simple, really, and if they can pull this off, repenting sincerely and honestly, then God will forgive them. Quote, they who sit in his shade shall be revived. They shall bring life to new grain. They shall blossom like the vine. His scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. And so Hosea concludes his book with simple advice. Quote, he who is wise will consider these words. He who is prudent will take note of them. For the paths of the Lord are smooth. The righteous can walk on them while sinners stumble on them. And on that somewhat uplifting note, here endeth the lesson. Feel free to fact check me on this, but of all the ancient creation stories, only one recounts how the deity creates the world through speech. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. This uh, reverberates, especially in the first verse of the gospel, according to John, quote, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Words have power. Words are the means that we use to communicate with each other. It is the means which God uses to communicate with us. And his prophets would often qualify their comments by adding a little, thus says the Lord or thus saith the Lord. 
In the Torah alone, the phrase appears about 500 times. In the Nevi'im, the middle section, the prophet section, it's about 1,200 times. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball! So as we conclude this book, we are confronted by Hosea, who, in typical prophetic fashion, admonishes the people. But he gives them a way out. Words. Meaningfully said, thoughtfully articulated. Words that will somehow sway God. God will not fight our wars anymore. He will not put his thumb on the scale of history in our favor. That's finished. So we're going to ask for something entirely different. The shift is dramatic, and we articulate it in the words we're supposed to say to God to get God to forgive us. Quote, Assyria shall not save us. No more will we ride on steeds, nor ever again will we call our handiwork our God, since in you alone orphans find pity. That's right. We're putting our faith and trust in God and hope that he will have mercy on us in the way that one should have mercy on the vulnerable. And to be clear, we're not asking for God to restore parents to the orphans or enfranchisement to the stranger or riches to the poor. The orphan, sadly, will remain an orphan, but we hope the child will have someone to look out for her and stand up for her. Hosea uses three kinds of words. The first are sharp and unrelenting criticism of idolatrous practice, which we've heard a million times before. The second are about love, like a parent expresses to her children who have gone astray. And here, the third is a call for repentance. Can Hosea do all three? Well, yes, I mean, he did. Words can be used in all of these contexts to the desired effect. But I wonder, and, and you know, he's torn the Jews a new one. He's demonstrated how God still cares but then he says that we can change. But can we, though? And, and does Hosea himself believe what he's saying? When it comes to the power of repentance, is he paying lip service or is he simply lying? Now, we've had a lot of experience with lying. We learn to lie at very early age, mostly from our parents. And if done well, lying can make all kinds of things disappear or happen. Bobby, did you eat the chocolate? Oh, it was Peter? Oh, sorry, carry on then. Cindy! Did you break that window? Oh, it was the neighbor? I'll go and have a word with him. Oh, what did you say? Crime in Germany is way up? Because of immigrants? I guess I'd better deny those asylum claims from all those scary rapists. Lock her up. That's right. Yes, that's right. Lock her up. And some have made a sincere argument that we can't call it lying because we don't know what was in Bobby or Cindy's hearts. Perhaps they truly believe what they were saying was true. Perhaps. But lip service cannot be obscured by such an argument. Lip service can be fact-checked. I don't need to look into your heart. I can just listen and watch what you do next. So we've listened to what the Jews have said, or more like what they haven't said. The only instance I can think of where, you know, the prophet pokes and prods and caresses and the people react positively is with Yonah in the book of Jonah, which we'll be discussing in about six episodes. But the people in question are not even members of the tribe. And in that case, the Ninevites, Ninvedlians, Ninvesiders, whatever, the people, the folks living in Nineveh, they didn't even say anything. Yonah was walking around making dire pronouncements about the fate of the city, and quote, the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast, and great and small alike put on sackcloth. And when the king heard the same dire pronouncement, he proclaimed a public reckoning. So let it be written. So let it be done. And that was that. And spoilers, God renounces the punishment. The repentance worked. 
Here, however, Hosea's book ends before we can truly trust but verify. And when I say trust but verify, I mean trust that Hosea means what he says. He makes an impassioned plea and paints a beautiful scene of what a commitment to repentance might yield. He also caps it off with a maxim that could easily end up in one of those, you know, light boxes with plastic letters that people use, you know, to decorate their rooms. Quote, For the path of the Lord are smooth, and the righteous can walk on them while sinners stumble on them. I'd like to think that in addition to talking that talk, Hosea walked that walk, and more importantly, he wanted the people to do the same. Otherwise, why be a prophet? For the dental insurance and the pension plan? I'm sure there are plenty of other jobs where you're politely, and sometimes not so politely ignored, that pay far less. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Send a friend an email to say, Hey, would it kill you to check out TanakhCast? Or even better, write a brief review at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Smart Radio, or SoundCloud. It's a small thing, really, but it will help other people who might be interested in some Bible learning find this podcast. Or if you want to help in a bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for episode 136 when we begin and complete the second book in the book of 12 with Joel chapters 1 through 4.